uh, the lights are going to come up a little bit so you can see your Bibles. It's great to be together. Uh, happy Martin Luther King weekend. Um, we, uh, a lot of us were involved in projects around the community, helping out our, uh, our community. And uh, I got a chance to drive around yesterday to several of the projects taking pictures. And uh, so I tried to get to as many as I could uh, throughout all of Saturday. It was really encouraging just to see everybody serving and everybody happy and uh, being together. I know a lot of us are a little maybe tired from uh, serving yesterday. But uh, we're going to show some pictures, a few pictures from yesterday, and then we'll have more, uh, more thorough video uh, in, in the weeks to come. But it was really encouraging just to see the church out there uh, serving the community. And uh, it was a real kind of emotional contrast for me uh, to what has been going on in the world lately. Uh, as we've been watching the news and seeing the political unrest, uh, seeing what's gone on in, in, uh, in Paris and in France and uh, what's been happening in Africa. I mean, there was, uh, I don't know if you know, but this, this uh, militant Islamic group, Boko Haram, may have killed as many as 2,000 people. Uh, and, uh, you know, just torturing people. And I mean, there's just horrible things going on in the world. We're so isolated here. Uh, we don't even know exactly what's going on there because Boko Haram is, is maintaining control. Uh, but th there are these militants and there is violence and there is evil in the world. And we see it uh, on TV. And what a contrast uh, yesterday, seeing people serving. And I want to talk a little bit about that contrast a, a little bit today. Because when you look at the world and the problems in the world and the poverty and the sin and the evil and the hardship, it can be easy to feel sometimes overwhelmed. Like, what possible difference could I make? What can I do about Boko Haram killing people in Africa? You know, what, what can I do about that? What can I do about these terrorists uh, in, in France or, or whatever? You know, you can feel sort of uh, powerless. And yet, uh, Jesus came uh, into a world that was very similar. You know, in the first century, there was a lot of political unrest. There was a lot of violence. Uh, Rome had conquered all these peoples, and there was a relative peace, kind of like today. You can travel around uh, today pretty freely, and it was similar in the time of the Roman Empire. And yet there was isolated violence, for sure, uh, during the Roman Empire, and, and horrible things were done to people. And even crucifixion itself is such a horrible thing, a uh, horrible, torturous way. That's how Rome would kill its, its criminals. And so... You know, there was, it was a similar, as far as political unrest and different uh, people that had activism, that was the same in Rome. In fact, some of Jesus' followers were activists. Uh, they were called zealots, and they had the certain political agenda. So it was a similar situation in Jesus' time. And so if you think about, if you're God, and you want to help the world, because you created the world, you gave people free will, and so because we have free will, we, we, we do what we want, and we end up hurting each other, and you end up with war and violence and, and all of these things, and so, but you want to show a better way, and so if you're God and you want to come to earth as a man to make a difference, how would you do it? You know, I, I think about that sometimes, what, what would I do, and the, the first thought that we have typically is, well, I would come in as a political leader, or I would come in as, you know, a famous person, or I would come in as somebody who had powers and, and would gain, you know, if you thought about today, like, how would you do it? Oh, I'd come in and I'd set up a a, a cable network channel, uh, or I'd set up a website and I'd you know, try to get to the whole world. And yet Jesus had such a different approach uh, in the way that he came to wor the world. If you think of God as a man coming into the world, how, how he did it. 
And it's going to be something that we can all learn from. So look at Luke 22, and we're going to look at something Jesus says about himself. The, the title of the lesson today is Among You as One Who Serves. It's a little bit shorter lesson, a little bit longer communion, because we're going to take some time to, to share about uh, the, the, the serving that went on yesterday. So Luke 22, turn in your Bible or your phone, or if you uh, don't have a Bible and you have a smartphone, you can get on Bible Gateway, uh, but we're going to spend some time in uh, Luke 22. I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we'll start reading. God, thank you for the opportunity to open your scriptures. Uh, Father, thank you for Jesus and who he was. I pray we can really look at him and his example right now. I pray we can lift our hearts to you. Um, God, we, uh, we don't deserve to read your scriptures. We don't deserve to have you speak to us. And yet I pray that you would uh, in this space and in this moment. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Luke 22, the setting is the Last Supper. Uh, this is the last time that Jesus had uh, with his, this, this special time with his followers before he went to the cross. And uh, they were celebrating the Passover. And the Passover is a celebration of when God took his people out of Israel, I mean out of Egypt, and delivered them to Israel. They were slaves in, in Egypt. Uh, for 400 years they had been there and they were a slaved race. They had nothing and yet God used them. They plundered the Egyptians and came out of uh, Egypt and established a whole new nation. And so that, that, that becomes a backdrop for a lot of stuff that happens with Jesus and in the, in the new covenant. So it's important to know that history. And what the Passover was, was a celebration that uh, the, this, called the avenging angel, this angel of death that came and, and, and killed every firstborn of every household in Egypt because they wouldn't let him go, they wouldn't let him go, and so the plagues came, and so that was the final plague. But over the Israelite families, uh, there was, they, they put the blood of a lamb on the door. They sacrificed the lamb to God, and they put the blood on the door, and so the angel would pass over those homes. So that's why it's called Passover. And so they, the, the blood of the lamb kept them safe. And so there's a lot of parallels with Jesus, right? And Jesus is called the, the, the lamb of God. And it's the blood of the lamb that rescues us and saves us. And so the, the Passover becomes a parallel for what Jesus does for us. So as they're celebrating Passover, they're having this meal together. Jesus says, now this is going to be in remembrance of me, of my body, my blood given for you. So that's the context that we're reading here. That's why we're here today. That's why for 2,000 years, Christians have come together on Sunday to have this meal together. Uh, okay, it says here in verse 17, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. So again, this is the reason that we're together. Jesus came here to give his body and give his blood for us. And, and we believe that he took the price for our sin. God is holy. God is perfect. God is light. There is no, no, nothing sinful in God. And so if we are going to be one with God, if we're going to be with God forever, there must be a sacrifice for our sins. And we don't understand exactly why that is. We don't 
under, just like we don't understand why gravity is, right? In fact, even scientists don't understand why gravity is. They just know it is. And so uh, it's, it's a law of, of this universe that sin has to be paid for by death. And we don't understand all the whys, but we know that if not for Jesus, we would have no hope of being with God forever. That's what we believe here. And so if you're visiting with us and you don't know too much about that, we'd encourage you just to get together with us and let's look at the Bible and, and we'll give you all the background on that. But we believe that through faith in Jesus, through his body and his blood, we can have all of our sins forgiven. Not just a one-time thing, like when you, when you first come to Jesus and, and you're baptized and your sins are washed away, but it's a continual thing that his body and his blood is given for us. And in remembrance of him, we go, oh, thank you so much for this grace. I need it. I know I need it. You need it too? Yeah. Amen. So uh, that is why we're here today is to, to remember and celebrate his body and his blood. If you haven't been forgiven of your sins, if you don't have that confidence, then that is the most important thing you could do in your life is make sure you get right with God and make sure that uh, you understand how to, to become a follower of Jesus and have your sins forgiven. So he's talking about this. He's explaining his body and his blood are given for them. And, and then what happens? It says in verse 23, they begin to question among themselves which of them might be who would do this. He says one of them is going to betray him. Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Really? This is the Last Supper. I mean, he's telling them, this bread is my body that's broken for you. I mean, I can imagine he was emotional. You know what I mean? He's picturing the cross. He knows the pain he's going to go through. We know later that night, he was so anxious that his sweat became like drops of blood. And the scientists think that his, in his capillaries, his capillaries had... had ruptured because of the intense, it's a, it's a condition that can happen called hematidrosis. Am I saying that right, Henry? Hematidrosis, where the capillaries can burst, and so then you got blood in your sweat, and it only happens because of intense anxiety. That's that same night. And so he's telling him, my body's going to be given for you, my blood is given for you, and they're arguing about which one of them is the greatest. And you know, our first thought can be like, what a bunch of boneheads. And yet, you know what? When I really think about it, it kind of gives me hope. Because I think this is, this is what I'm like. I mean, I'm always falling into thinking about, well, how does this situation affect me? Well, what, how's, how's it going to work for me? What do I get out of it? Or what time do I have to be there? Or how does it affect me and my comfort level? Uh, you know, and so it's so easy. I mean, you're at a thing for the homeless, and you're, oh, no, their donuts are gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is this just me that has these thoughts? <laughs> you know, we're, we're just so, you know, we're, we're trying to go serve the community. Oh, there's no parking. <laughs> we're just so self-focused, aren't we? And, and, and so it gives me hope that even the guys he chose, they were some serious they had some issues. They were boneheads. And so, you know, what does he say to them? Well, he uses it as a teaching moment. And uh, he says, verse 25, the Gen Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. And this, this same situation is recorded in other Gospels at other times. So this happened 
probably happened more than once. But in this setting, it's at the Lord's Supper. They're arguing about who's the greatest. He says, don't be like the world. People in, in the world, people in, in, in society, they lord it over each other. They're trying to get one over another person. Everybody's after what they can get. He says, don't be like that. What is this benefactors thing? Uh, so there, there were... There was a, a big disparity between wealthy and poor in, in the Roman Empire in the first century, in the time of Jesus. Very similar to what you see in a lot of third world countries now, where, you know, they're super, 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 super rich, and then a whole lot of poor people. That's the way it was at the time of Jesus. And so these people who were super, super, super wealthy, they did some things for the poor, and they, they called themselves benefactors, meaning, I am your beneficiary like I you benefit from having me as your leader you benefit from having me as the rich guy that lives in your community because I help here and I help there and and you know you're so lucky I get to be your president you're so lucky I get to be your CEO you're so you know and it's the same today isn't it sometimes people with egos uh maybe uh famous people you're so lucky you get to follow me on Instagram and see these photos of my living room, or my walk with the dog, or, you know, and we suck it up, oh yes, I want to follow that person. (laughs) Oh, they're my benefactor. And Jesus is like, don't be like that. That's not the kingdom of God. He says, for instead, verse 26, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. It's upside down. It's a different perspective. Uh, what's, what's up in the world is down in the kingdom. What's down in the kingdom is up in the world. It's an upside down kingdom. The greatest should be the servant. Who, Jesus said this many times. Whoever's first should be last. You could seek the whole world and yet lose your soul. You could gain the world and yet lose your soul. It's a, there's a dichotomy. There's, a, there's an upside downness to the kingdom of God. That we, it, seems, it seems kind of deep, it seems kind of hard to understand, but when you put it into practice, it really works. For example, let's say tomorrow you go, tomorrow is me day, and I'm going to do everything for me. I'm going to watch what I want to watch, I'm going to eat what I want to eat. The whole day is just dedicated to the observance of me. I'm not going to recognize Martin Luther King, even though it's his holiday. It's me. You know what I mean? So let's say tomorrow is me day, and you just do whatever you want Whatever feels good, you watch four movies at a time, you eat a bucket of ice cream, you know, it's me day. Okay, that's Monday. Then say Tuesday, okay, Tuesday is others day, so Tuesday will be devoted to others, and I will do everything for others, I will do nothing for myself, I will just serve, I will give, I will pour out myself. Which night do you feel better going to bed, Monday night or Tuesday night? Tuesday night, don't you? We all know this. It's... But Jesus is just saying, this is the way we were designed. We were not designed to try to fill up ourselves. You never get enough. You know, you, you try to get over other people. You try to get to a position of authority. You try to, you know, get on top, and you're never there. You never get satisfied. And we know this. We, 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 we give mental assent to that, but we don't live like that so often. We find ourselves falling into chasing the same stuff. And yet, just look at the people who arrive, quote-unquote. Are they really happy? Are they really fulfilled? Are they really satisfied? Uh, David Johnson just shared with me an article about uh, Michael Jordan you might have read in the ESPN lately. And it was kind of sad because he's going, 
you know, he's turning 50 this year in a, couple, in a month or so, and uh, he's looking at his life, and he's just, he's not really happy. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, he says, I would give up everything now to go back and play the game of basketball. And the guy, the guy uh, interviewing him was like, well, well, what do you do? How do you, repl-? you know, there's just this aching, there's this longing. And he goes, what do you do? How do you replace it? And Michael Jordan says, you don't. You just learn to live with it. Just learn to live with this dissatisfaction. Because, and this is a guy that is arguably the most famous person in the world. At least he was at one time. I mean, more people knew he was who he was than the president of the United States. Because you might not know, but advertising, American uh, famous people are huge in advertising in all the rest of the world. And Michael Jordan, the hugest of the hugest ever in advertising all over the world. So this guy, everyone in the world knows him. He could have anything he wants. He's surrounded by, I mean, every day is me day when you're Michael Jordan, right? I mean, we, we even have a phrase, like Mike, yeah. right? Who else do we have that? I mean, and so th- this guy is worshipped by people, and he, he's gained the whole world, and yet he's not happy, he's not fulfilled. Uh, you know, there's somebody else I know who's turning 50 this year. Jackie Marici is turning 50 this year. This is her, she's calling it her birth year, so she will accept presents all year long. But you know what, I, I would argue that Jackie Marici is happier than Michael Jordan. She, are you satisfied with your life? Are you fulfilled? Yeah, I mean, she, she's, I mean, that, you know, any person here, we have the capacity to be happier than Michael Jordan. I mean, that's pretty cool. That those things that the world chases don't fulfill. And so that's why Jesus is trying to get their focus off of themselves and where it needs to be. Verse 27, he says, For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Our key verse, I am among you as one who serves. That's how Jesus chose to come into the world. That's who he identified himself with. The creator of the universe is in the world as a servant. And he, and he paints this picture that we're somewhat familiar with, the, the, guy, the big cheese at the table, and then the guy who's serving the big cheese at the table. And, and you might have experienced, you know, you might have been the big cheese at some point in your life. The closest I ever got was uh, when I was working in marketing. And when you're in marketing, uh, the vendors try to win you over. So they'll, they'll give you stuff, they'll give, you know, they'll give you gifts, they'll give you, I mean, I got tickets to games, you know, I got to see courtside tickets and you know, on the, on the glass at a Kings game and stuff like that. And I, I flew to Microsoft one time. This is when Microsoft was at the, you know, the top. And uh, I flew to Microsoft in Seattle, and somebody was waiting to pick me up at the airport and was one of those limo drivers with the sign. Said Brian Craig, you know, on the sign. I just remember <laughs> kind of chuckling like, you know, the liver driver is picking me up. I'm nobody, you know. Because I always wonder who those people are. Don't you guys wonder? You kind of want to like watch and see who they pick up. Uh, so it was just me, the limo driver with my sign. And so I'm r- driving to Microsoft in the back of this limo. And then we have this meal. And it's in Seattle. I don't know the name of the restaurant, but it's, it's one of those that rotates. 
And it's at the top of this building and it rotates and you're seeing all of Seattle go by very slowly. Not, it doesn't rotate fast or you get sick. <laughs> very slowly, the scene is just always changing. And they're bringing bottles of wine that are like $100 bottles of wine. Uh, some of you, I know Henry likes wine. He, he's probably had that before. Uh, to me, I'm like, not, he doesn't like wine too much. He's an elder. Elders, <laughs> elders aren't, supposed to, aren't supposed to like wine too much. But I've seen, I saw, I was in Henry's office one time and I saw a spec sheet on a bottle of wine. So I'm like, that's a whole other level. I don't, my, my wine does not have spec sheets, you know? I get two buck chuck at Trader Joe's. Uh, so anyway, but these are like $100 bottles of wine and m- many courses and, you know, just steak and all this. And I remember even feeling kind of like, oh, I feel kind of guilty because all this costs so much money. And uh, Mike Santacola, who was leading the region at the time, he, he, used to, he said sometimes, when you go through something like that, he said, just enjoy it at the time because you're going to pay for it later. <laughs> Like something else miserable is going to happen in your life pretty soon. So just enjoy that moment. So I was thinking about that. In the moment. Okay, I'm just going to enjoy it. But, but it, the, the picture that Jesus is painting, it's not even that. It's the first century. So this is the person at the table is not even just a waiter like at a high-class restaurant. This is a slave at, that's serving. This is a person who is owned by another person. Half of the Roman Empire was slaves. Uh, and and many, many, probably more than half of the first century Christians were slaves. And so the, Jesus is saying, I am among you as that. I am among you as one who serves. I could be the guy at the table, but I'm not. I'm the guy who serves. That's a, that's a challenging picture. Because we want, we don't want to be that person. We want to be the guy at the table, don't we? I mean, I do. And, and if you're not challenged by this verse here, as far as, what we should be like. Look, keep your finger here because we're going to come back. But he talks even about religious people two chapters earlier in in chapter 20, uh, verse 46. It says, Beware of the teachers of the law. These are the religious leaders of Jesus' time. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. You know, that challenges me because in my heart, I do like that stuff. I mean, the flowing robe, not so much. I mean... When I was a kid, I used to love to put a cape on and just it brings instant power when you're wearing a cape. Um, yeah, in the play, I wore kind of a flowing robe, I guess. But you know, I do, I mean, I, I like when people praise me. I like being noticed. I like when I'm recognized for something I did. Uh, if somebody else gets recognition for something I did, do, am I cool with that? You know, well, in my heart, it's like, right? Or if somebody, what really gets me riled up is if I'm accused of something I didn't do, you know, or, or somebody, or I'm painted in a, in a bad light where I, I, I feel like I don't deserve to be painted in that light they're painting me with. That really gets me riled up. And so I'm like, gosh, this is me so much. Uh, Jesus was painted in a bad light. Jesus had false witnesses come forward and he said nothing. I'm just so challenged by that, like that, that, that I have this kind of heart by nature. And so this is something I got to work on every day 
to not chase after this stuff, to not be this kind of religious person. Because if God can't get you in the world, and, and it's been a long time since I became a disciple, 25 years plus. So a long time ago, I, you know, maybe Satan's not going to appeal to me with drugs and partying and, and, and sex and the things that he appealed to me when I was a teenager. But now he's going to try to get me through this. These are the religious people. Through love of comfort, through love of praise, through wanting it my way, through not liking to be challenged, not liking to... You know, that's how Satan's going to try to get me. And it challenges me that he says, such men will be punished most severely. You know, that's, this is serious stuff. The stuff that we don't... A lot of times pride we kind of throw around like, oh, it's not that big a deal, I was prideful. And yet pride is the root of most sin. Selfishness is the root of most sin. I mean, it's right there in the Garden of Eden. Pride and selfishness. Satan appealed to their pride. He appealed to their selfishness. So I'm not trying to be a downer or anything, but just, <laughs> this is challenging. I need the blood of Jesus. Because here I am at the Last Supper. Jesus is giving his body. He's giving his blood. He's trying to say, I need to be a servant. And so much of my heart is me. Me, 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 me. And, and, uh, and he says in verse uh, 29, I confer, uh, 28, you are those who've stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Remember we talked about how do you really change the world? How do you make a difference? Jesus came to establish a new kingdom to build a new nation. And this was prophesied all in the Old Testament, that there would be a, this Messiah, this king figure, a king, who would come and sit on David's throne, and he would establish the, the kingdom of God, and it would overcome all other kingdoms. No other kingdom would endure except this one. And it would conquer every other kingdom. And so when you think about that, what they were looking for was this conquering king. And Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. And you are a part of my kingdom. I confer on you a kingdom. This is the kingdom. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. And, and, and you know what happened? Is that kingdom did conquer. The most powerful nation that has ever ruled the planet ever before ever since, the Roman Empire, was conquered by these poor, impoverished, slave Christians serving people and loving people, and living the way of Jesus. What can God do through us if we choose his route and not the worldly route? What can God do through us if every person in the South Bay Church says, this year I'm going to be a servant? I'm going to give myself away, like we talked about in our family ministry workshop. I'm going to do for others this year. I'm going to be like Jesus this year. Not just I'm going to attend church, I'm going to add religion to my plate. No, I'm going I'm to give, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live the way of Jesus. This is, this is the way to change the world. This is the way to change our community. You know, Martin Luther King said, anyone can be great because anyone can serve. And so there is something within us that we want to be great. We want to be great. So Jesus doesn't stomp on that. He just says, this is how you be great. It's not, it's not like, don't be prideful, don't be prideful, don't be prideful, don't be prideful, don't, don't be great, don't be great. No, do be great. This is the way that you be great. It's through serving others, through giving to others, through, through putting others above your, yourself. That's the way we're going to change the world. Um, and serving does help our hearts, doesn't it? 
Those of you who served yesterday, didn't it help your heart? Raise your hand if you served yesterday and it helped your heart. I mean, it helped my heart, and I, I wasn't doing much except taking pictures. Uh, but just being there and seeing people and being a part of it, it helped my heart. I, I, like, for example, I got an email on Saturday morning. I get a lot of emails. I got this one email, and this email bugged me and made me feel a little snarky, and I wanted to send a reply, but I didn't. Thank God I've learned not to do that. Um, I've done it in the past. But, uh, you know, you ever get an email like that? So I'm just kind of annoyed and driving on my way to the thing. I just keep thinking about it. I'm like trying to pray, but I just keep thinking about what I want my response to be and just annoyed. But then I, I go and I'm serving, you know, or watching people serve, taking pictures of people serve, just hanging out at Silverado with the, the older people and, and listening to the kids sing and just, you know, being with everybody. And going back out of the parking lot, it's funny, I just go, man, that email doesn't bother me at all right now. Like, not at all. Like, I don't even care. I'm like, what happened? I just was serving. I guess. <laughs> you know, like, something about serving, it just puts our heart in the right place. Something about giving to others, it just, it, it, it changes. It changes our perspective. And uh, we have this, this process that we're trying to do in our church. And I, I want to just make you aware of this because this is... Uh, the beginning of a new year, and if you're visiting with us, kind of want to fill you in. So can you put that slide up there, Sherwin? And then uh, we're going to transition and take communion here in a second. But this is our process. This looks kind of uh, corporate, but this is, you know, the modern way of distilling what Jesus really did. And what Jesus did is he had a huge group. There was, there was many crowds that followed him. And so he started with the big group. And so for us, that we call that worship. That's our worship service. We try to get a lot of people out to church. We'd love to have a huge crowd. We want to fill this auditorium. But that's not the end game. We're not just, oh, we just want to fill the auditorium with people. No, 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 that's, that's the starting point. So from that big group, Jesus had his followers. He had his 12. He had a, he had a small group that he worked with. And so we call that friendship, the second step there. So within the big church... We divide ourselves, we get into small groups. And so if you're a member of the church, you should be a part of a small group. If you're not, you go, I don't know what small group I'm in. Well, talk to somebody. Talk to Steve and Jackie. They, they, they're leading all the small groups. Uh, is that okay, Jackie? Okay, so talk to Jackie if you don't know what group you're in. If you're a guest and you want to be in a group, then talk, talk to Jackie, talk to the Atkins, talk to me. We'll get you into a small group, but that's the next step. We want you to be in a small group because that's where you connect with people. That's where you start to grow and you start to change. You start to get engaged. Then, then Jesus didn't just do that. He called people individually to follow him. And he, he had individual interactions. with he, he pulled Peter, James, and John and go do something. Or he, you know, he called Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him. And so we, we call that discipleship that within the small group, we have smaller even linkings. And we, everybody has somebody they get with every week or every other week just to talk about how they're doing. And so we call that discipleship. And if you're, you know, if you want to become a member of the church, then we'll, we'll, we'll get together with you and we'll study the Bible with two guys or three guys. And this is where real transformation takes place. And then the objective of all of that is the big, the big button there, ownership. And that is that you would become like Jesus. That I would become like Jesus. That we would own the church and the church would own us. You know, there's a full investment. We're completely plugged in. It's not like that church, it's our church. And, and we, are, we are each, that was Jesus' goal, is that he would make a bunch of little Jesuses. Not just tell people about me, he said make disciples 
of me. And so the goal is that every person would get to the point where they're becoming more and more and more like Christ. And then see the arrow that goes back to worship, then, then it kind of feeds back in. You bring other people along on the process. And it continues. And so serving, excuse me, serving is huge. That's really that last button, is that you are serving in some way. So our goal this year is that every person in the South Bay Church is serving in some way. And ask yourself that, just in response to this, Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. Are you a servant? Are you following Jesus? Uh, would, he say, would he consider you to be a servant? Would he consider you to, to be following this? And there's a lot of opportunities to serve in your community, at your school, at your job. But here within the church, there are a lot of opportunities to serve. There are a lot of needs. And so I'm just going to kind of fill you in on what some of those needs are. And then, uh, and then we'll take communion here. Uh, there is a need for more ushers. So the people that help people make it in, the people that are going to serve as communion here in a minute... Jay needs about five or ten more ushers. So all, Jay is right back there. He's the tall black man, no hair, very happy, smile on his face, very handsome. So see Jay if, uh, if you want to serve as an usher. We need more ushers, even if it's for three months or it's every other week for six months. Or we, we need more ushers. We need more people to serve in our worship team. And uh, our Tuesday nights, just so you know, it's an open rehearsal. Anybody can come on Tuesday nights at my house to sing with us. It doesn't mean you're going to sing on stage, but you can come and check it out. You can come and check it out. Uh, but we need more people. We need more tech people to serve uh, with all the setup crew. We, I, I, I appreciate Aaron Doty just signed on for six months. Today was his first day. He did, he did sound for many, 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 many years. Took a break for a while, but now he's back, yes for six months. But we need more people to serve. We, need, we bought these really nice signs that say South Bay Church, but they're in the trailer right now. Nobody put them out. Nobody put them back. Uh, we need somebody to handle the signage every week. And uh, so, you know, we need, we need a team. You know, Jay, Jay can't do everything, right? We need people to, to, to fill these roles. We need people to serve in Kids Kingdom. We need people to... There's a lot of needs. So if you're not serving in some way, there's plenty of opportunities to serve. Nobody's down on you. It's just between you and God, but figure out some way to serve. And, and if you don't know how to serve, then again, talk to Jackie. <laughs> or talk to me. Uh, we need to clean out our storage facility. So we're going to have a storage clean-out party. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of things going on. And uh, Vanessa uh, Adams does a lot for social media. She spends probably 10 hours a week, she said, on social media for us. She's moderating because people post all kinds of crazy things on our, on our stuff. And you, we don't see it because she takes care of it. But she needs more social media people. If you're a social media person, you like Instagram, you like Twitter, then we need you. We need you to help. We need a, a social media team. And so there's going to be a meeting happening next Saturday for anybody that wants to help out with social media. So I'm going to send you an email over CCB for that. Anyway, there's a lot of different ways that you can serve. But make a decision that you're going to serve in some way this year. If you're not serving now, or even if you are serving now, try a new role. You know, if you've been serving this way, okay, I'm going to serve in this way. But we need, we need to be like Jesus, and that's what's really going to make a difference. Um, just want to share about Vanessa here really quick before uh, we take communion. And uh, she came over to our house this week because she was just so excited about what had happened. And she'd been talking to, she tried to, she took initiative. She takes in a lot of initiative on a lot of things. But she took initiative on wanting to do this prayer thing. And uh, the prayer thing that she had in mind didn't really happen the way she envisioned it happening. But she had told this checker at the grocery store about it. 
And so this checker, every, every once in a while she would see her, she would ask her about it. And uh, so this last week, the, the checker asked her about it again. Uh, she said, oh, well, it kind of changed. We're doing it on Facebook now, but thanks for asking. But it was the kind of thing, you know, when you're in line and somebody's behind you and the, the person who's bagging your groceries is like, okay, get out of here. We got a line behind you. So she didn't say anything more than that, but she was kind of pricked and convicted. She's like, oh, I should have tried to do more. And so uh, she called Jackie. She said, Jackie, I have some, in see, you call Jackie. That's the answer. <laughs> you're going to get a nasty, I'm going to get a nasty email. So she, she, uh, she called Jackie and said, I need some evangelism advice. So Jackie said, well, go back. Just go back there and try to talk to her. So she went back and she was trying to figure out, do I act like I'm going to buy something even though I don't need anything? And, you know, I'm at, okay, I'll go buy a toothbrush. Can you always use another toothbrush? I really don't need a toothbrush. She's just kind of wrestling with it. And she's finally, she's like, oh, forget it. I, I'm just going to be honest because honesty is the best policy. So I'm just going to find her and just tell her I'm back, you know, <laughs> to talk to you. So she goes... She goes and she starts and she sees the woman is not working as a checker anymore. She's walking towards like the break room or something. So perfect. She makes a beeline straight for her. She says, I'm here to tell you I came back because I want to pray with you. Because the woman was, kept asking about praying. And, you know, kind of like, okay, here it is. What, what are you going to say? Is this weird? And the woman just started crying. And she was just like, oh, I can't believe it. She said, I've been praying that God would send me someone to pray with me. And that's why I kept asking about the prayer group. And so, so, you know, they set up a time to pray together, and Vanessa's going to try to get her out to church. And, but what better way to serve people than spiritually? To pray with people, to, to share the gospel with people. I mean, that's the best way we can share. And we can be, uh, I can be stingy with the gospel sometimes instead of just, okay, here it is. Regardless of how people are going to respond. And so I was proud of Vanessa and it was amazing how excited she was and so happy she was. And sometimes just getting a little out of yourself, just inviting someone to church, just having a spiritual conversation, it, it immediately changes your whole mood on life, your whole aspect on life. So that's why Jesus tried to model that for us. And I believe it was probably at this moment that he got down on his knees and he washed their feet. That's recorded in, in John, right? It says right in the middle of the meal, he stopped, he got down on, their, on his knees and he started washing their, their dirty, nasty feet. He said, this is how you should treat each other. And I just imagine it was because they're arguing about who's the greatest. Oh, no, no, stop all that. Here, here's the way we need to live. And so let's, let's go to communion with that image in our mind of Jesus washing our feet on the night of his betrayal. And let's remember his body and blood. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus and what he does for us and the continual upward call that he is in our lives. I pray to be more like him. God, I'm so much more like the, the teachers of the law that love the place of honor or or want to be recognized. And God, I pray that you'd forgive me of that and help me to serve, help me to give, help me to be like Jesus who washed others' feet and help me to empty myself. And thank you for this time to remember what Jesus did for me. And uh, I just need it so much every week uh, to remember his body and his blood. And, and as we're going to sing about here in a minute, when I, when I survey the wondrous cross, when I think about what's done for me, I pour contempt on all my pride. And I just go, it's, it's worthless to be prideful in the face of Jesus. And I pray that you would build this church. God, I pray that your spirit would work in great ways this year. And I pray that you'd hear our prayers right now as we reflect on Jesus and his body and blood. It's in his name we pray. Amen.